Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to first to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen. John chapter fifteen. I'd like to read the whole chapter, verse I think, or at least seven, seventeen verses. It's not the whole chapter, just part of the chapter. John fifteen, beginning verse one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the, into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my, my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father have I made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be reminded that we are to love one another, we are to love you, and most of all, Lord, we enjoy the reminder that you love us, and I pray that you might help us as we consider this subject today. May we as Christians understand more, more than we have before how much you love us. And I pray for that person who's never trusted Christ as their Savior, that today would be the day that they turn in faith to you because they realize that you love them and you died for them on the cross and you want the very best for them. So bless, Lord, in this message. You give enablement to bring it and get glory for yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This coming Wednesday is Valentine's Day. As most of you probably know, and maybe you've been reminded of that by your spouse. But on that day, cards, flowers, candy, and even songs will be used to say to the one you love, I love you. It would be a harsh, dark, lonely world if no one loved you. We all need to be loved, and we also all need to love. Now, what is that? Why is that true that we? Uh, need to be loved or that we all should love. 
Well, it's because we are made in the image of God. The Bible says that God made us in His image. 1 John 4, 8 says, and also verse 16 says, God is love. So if God is love and we're made in God's image, then we can understand how much love is important to us. It should be to everyone. It is to everyone. Even though sin has marred the image of God in man, every person still senses the need for love. We are not happy if we're not loved, and we're really severely handicapped as an individual if we do not love. If you've been around people who do not love, you'll find that they're, they're miserable people, and they're not good people to be around, and they don't contribute to your well-being because they don't love, and therefore many times they are not loved. This morning, we want to consider some aspects of love. As we do, we will hear the words, I love you, which I've titled the message, I love you. We'll hear those words in each of these aspects of love. The first one is this, God is love. The Bible makes that statement, as we said in 1 John 4, verse 8, and also verse 16, God is love. Before God made people to love, God was still love. And we see that emphasized in the scripture that the God of love, God who is love, loved even before there were anybody around people to love. The scripture says in 1 John 15 verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, so the Father, God the Father, loved God the Son. And then it says in John 15, or John 14 verse 31, Jesus said, I love the Father. So before there was ever people to love, God was love and he did love. And of course, it doesn't, we don't have any verses that I know of that says the Spirit loved the Son or the Father, but we know that since the Spirit is God and God is love, then the Spirit has love as well. God loves the people that he made. So God is love, but God also loved the people that he made. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, and it says he so loved the world. Very greatly he loved the world. Romans 5, 8 said, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed how much he loved us because he died for us. 1 John 3, 16 says, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So God loved us, and he demonstrated that by laying down his life for us. Now, all of us who are Christians know that to be true because we know the gospel. The gospel tells about God's love. And the gospel is that even though we are sinners, we're deserving of God's wrath, God loved us so much that he sent his son from heaven so that he could come down on this earth and become a man, so he was the God-man, and the reason for him to become a man was so that he could take our place on the cross of Calvary and he could experience the wrath of God poured down on him for us. He loved us that much that he did that for us. He died in our place. He took God's wrath upon himself. The Bible says the gospel also includes this. He was buried. The burial is proof that he truly was dead. He truly did die. And then he rose again the third day. And that was proof that everything was paid for. On the cross, he was paying our price. He was taking our punishment. But then he said, it's finished. And when he died, 
And then three days later, he rose from the grave as proof that it was finished. It was all paid for. And Jesus is alive and he's ready and willing and able to save anybody who would trust him as their savior. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says it like this. Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. God demands punishment for our sins, and he is pleased when that punishment was laid on his son, and he, and he, and he paid all that for us, and it was like a sweet savor to the Lord. He was pleased that his son paid for our sins. So the cross really says, I love you. God says on the cross, I love you. Someone has rightfully said, when you, if you ask Jesus how much he loved you, he stretched out his hands on the cross and said this much. I loved you. I died for you on the cross of Calvary. So from the cross, we hear the words, I love you. I like that song that Diana sang, and I asked her to sing it this morning. Uh, he says, I love you. And it's written in red. He shed his blood for us on the cross of Calvary. So God is love. That's one aspect of, of love. Another one is this. We are to love God. The Bible makes it clear that we're to love God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, we're told that we're to love God. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. All your heart, your innermost emotional being, all your heart, all your soul, all your being, and he says, with all of your might, it's, it's a, a strong love. You're to love the Lord that much, and we are to love God. God tells us that we are to love him. The Bible also says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, And now, O Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee but to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. It's very clear. God says we are to love him. Matthew 22, Jesus was speaking and reiterates what the Old Testament said. It said that Israel's to love the Lord. We also are to love the Lord. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He adds the word mind. In the Old Testament, it said might. The Lord says here, also your mind. I mean, you, you love the Lord with your mind. I mean, that's going to determine what you think about, isn't it? That's going to determine, you know, some people say, I love the Lord, and yet their mind is always in, engaged in other things. And the Lord says, you don't love me, but you love the Lord with all your mind. I looked up the word love, and of all the over 300, uh, I think there was, I can't remember, but it's, close to 400 appearances of the word love in the Bible. And I looked through all of them and, and uh, found out there were at least 39 which were direct commandments to us that we are to love God. And so you have to love God. You're supposed to love God. God tells us to do that. It's required by God that we love him. How serious is that? Well, give me a, let me give you a verse that shows how serious it is. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22 says this, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. That means accursed. God says, you are to love me. And if any man doesn't love God, let him be accursed. That makes it serious business 
not to love God. Now, since we are to love God, God tells us that, then how are we to demonstrate that love? Just how can we demonstrate that we love God? The Bible makes it pretty clear. The Lord says this, first of all, we're to keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. Deuteronomy eleven twenty two says, For if, if ye shall diligently keep all the commandments which I command you to love the Lord your God. So to keep his commandments is to love the Lord. John 14, verse 15, we read it a while ago. If ye love me, keep my commandments. The Lord's like saying to us, not all this talk. Don't you keep telling me you love me. You know, you've been around people like that. They say, oh, I love the Lord. I've been around people that are so mushy about, you know, say, oh, I just love the Lord so much. And yet you look at their life, and they're not doing what God tells them to do. They don't love God. God says, you don't fool me. You, fool, you, you show you love me by keeping my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15 says that. John 15, 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. So, how much do you love the Lord? You say, well, I love Jesus. I love him. Well, let's think about that. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So let's just go over some of them today, and let's see how much we love the Lord. What are the commandments? Well, we're going to list some of the Ten Commandments and uh, some of the other commands in the Bible. We won't get them all, I'm sure. But the Lord says this, you shall have no other God before me. There'll be no idols. There'll be nothing before for God. In other words, in our lives, we don't let put anything ahead of God. Now, all of us fall short there, I'm sure. But God says that. He says, don't put anything ahead of the Lord. And so don't make something an excuse why you won't do something for the Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments. He says, do not take God's name in vain. You know, there's some Christians who there truly are Christians, and they still take God's name in vain. They'll say, oh, it slipped. Well, let's, let's uh, put some stops on those slips and uh, just discipline ourselves that we don't do that, and we hate that because we love the Lord. The Lord says, don't take my name in vain. God says, do not kill. That's talking about killing an individual, murdering an individual. There, there are individuals in, in a group who have the right to kill people, you know. It's called the government. The Lord says, the government wields not the sword in vain. The government has the right to capital punishment, but no individual has that right. You never have the right to take an individual's life. You say, well, I've never done that. I would never do that. But God says something also in the scripture. He says, if you hate somebody, you've killed them in your heart. Do you hate anybody? I don't know of anybody I hate. There are people I dislike, but I don't know of anybody I hate. And if that ever creeps up in my mind, I want to get rid of that. Do not hate anybody. God says, don't do that. Also, do not commit adultery or fornication. And today, there's a lot of that going on, and they call it, they take all kinds of things, immoral things, and they call it good and acceptable, and it's natural and all that. It's not natural. It's not good. It's not acceptable. God says, do not commit adultery and do not commit fornication. And you say, well, I've never done that. Well, if you said that, you're probably a liar. Because the Lord says you can commit that in your heart. If you lust after a person in your heart, 
you committed adultery with them. And so we have to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think that way because I love you. And so we, ha- we need to keep that commandment of not doing that. Also, the Lord says, do not steal. Do not steal. I think you should take that, that seriously. And you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't just justify something that, oh, you found this, you know, and I know it was in the store and it probably wasn't supposed to be on the shelf, maybe some, and you just try to justify it and you take it home. The Lord says, do not steal. Don't take something that does not belong to you. Now, I don't believe that involves a penny laying on the floor or out in the parking lot. Let's, let's say not on the floor even. Probably in a store, you just need to give it back, but out in the parking lot. I do not, I do not uh, let pennies pass by if I see them out on the sidewalk or parking lot. Or anything. I pick them up. Why do I do that? Every time I pick up a penny, I think it'll be, it'll be enough. It'll pay for enough paper to print. I think it's three tracks now. Three tracks, Fellowship Track League. So that makes that penny valuable. And uh, it's just laying there. We don't know who it, who it belonged to or anything. We're not stealing it. The other day I was at the hospital. I got out of the car and they were laying a dime. Did I pick the dime up? Sure, I picked the dime up. But, uh, but to take somebody, something that is somebody else's, to steal it, God says it's wrong. Do not steal. Do not fair, bear false witness. Do not tell false things about other people. Do not bear false witness. In other words, do not lie. Many times Christians are involved in lying and they sort of justify it because they will call it a white lie or something like that. Don't lie. God says don't lie. Why not lie? I mean, why not lie at certain circumstances? There's one good reason, because you're supposed to love God. And God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do not covet. Do not covet something that somebody else has and uh, wish you had it instead of them, and, oh, you just feel bad at them because they have this, and you don't rejoice in, over them, with them over something they have or something they were able to purchase. You don't rejoice over them. You feel bad about it, and you covet it yourself. God says that's wrong. And if you love God, you won't do that. The Lord says do not gossip. The Bible says do not speak evil of other people. Do not use filthy talk. Do not be a lazy person, a slothful person. The Bible says, do not uh, have bitterness in your heart. Do not be angry and have wrath that's uncontrolled. The Lord says you can be angry about sin and sin not, but you don't, you're not to harbor angerness, angry, anger in your heart and wrath in your heart for other people. God says don't do that. Then God says there's some commands that you should do. Be ye kind. Are you kind? Are you kind to your spouse? Are you kind to the waitress? Are you kind to other people at work? Are you kind? If you're unkind, that's showing I don't love God as much as I should. We should be kind. The Lord says be tenderhearted. That means you sympathize with other people. You hurt when they hurt. You're tenderhearted. God says be forgiving. There's some people who are Christians who have things that's happened in the past and they will not forgive that person. They just hold it as a grudge and they won't forgive. God says that's wrong and it's an evidence you don't love God as much as you should. Who forgives more than anyone else? God does. And he forgives all of us. 
It's interesting how a person, you know, they can be forgiven of God and thank the Lord for it, but they won't forgive another person for what they did. God says, if you love me, be forgiving. Also be long-suffering, putting up with other people and just uh, bearing with them. Maybe they disappoint you. Maybe they turn you off or something, but you're long-suffering to them because God, even though they do that to God all the time, he still loves them and he's not willing that they perish and he wants them to be saved. God's long-suffering. We're to think on things that are true. Do we think on things that are true? Think on things that are honest. Think on things that are just. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely. Philippians chapter 4 tells us that. Be, think on things that are good report. Think on things that are virtuous. Think on things that are praiseworthy. We're to think on the right things. So if you as an individual ever dabble around in pornography, guess what you're saying to the Lord? Lord, I don't love you. I don't love you like I should because I'm letting this stuff be in my mind. God says don't do that. Think on things that are pure and true and honest and just and lovely and good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. Also, read your Bible. The Bible tells us to hide the Word of God in our heart. The Bible tells us to make much of the Word of God. Do you read your Bible? If you don't read the Bible, what are you saying? You're saying, God, I don't love you like I should. Because God's Bible is our, his love letter to us. He tells us how much he loves us. And so read your Bible. It's very important. Pray. God says even pray without ceasing. That's all the time. Now, I like to do that, but I don't always do that. I mean, probably most of the time I don't do that. But uh, I'm often in, most of the time I'm in an attitude of prayer anyway. Like when things happen, you'll say, thank you, Lord. Or something almost happens, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I almost fell, but it didn't. And uh, just, just different little things. Thank the Lord for everything. Just that you can be a constant attitude of prayer. Pray. Praying shows that you love God because you like to talk to the one you love. You like to give to God. God tells us to give. And if we are stingy and we don't give, then we're saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't love you as much as I should. I know I'm keeping this. I should give to you. But, Lord, I really don't love you that much. So I love myself more. And the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, go to church. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 25. And so part of the way we show the Lord we love him is we go to church, and we like to be with God's people and hear God's word. We walk in love. The Lord says to walk in love. The Lord tells us to witness to other people and tell them about Jesus. So all these are commands of the Lord. He tells us to do these things. And the Lord says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, <clears throat> another way that we show the Lord we love him, or how we demonstrate our love for God, is that we abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. We read that today in the passage before us. <clears throat> in, in John chapter 15, we're to abide in Christ. In teaching that, he has the image of the vine. And Jesus says that I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. In the scripture, we're introduced to the vine at other times. There's a, a past expression of the occurrence of, these, uh, of the um, image of the vine 
in the Old Testament because the Lord says that the children of Israel are his vine. And so he tells us about that. I want to read just some of it in, in, in Psalm 80. In verse 8, it says this, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and didst cause it to take root, and it filled the land. And then verse 14, Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold, your visi- behold and visit this vine. This vine is Israel. The Lord's talking about Israel as the vine. In Isaiah chapter 5, he says this, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill, in a very fruitful hill. And then verse 7 says this, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So the vine is spoken of as Israel. As Israel. We're told that at Herod's temple, there was a golden vine that was upon the wall, a golden vine. And so Israel is, a, is pictured as a vine. We also read of a future vine. And that future vine is found in, in Revelation 14. You can turn there if you want. But it's talking about the song, the, seeing the Son of Man having a sharp sickle in his hand. And an angel says unto him, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. So he thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And then another angel had also a sharp sickle, and another angel said to that angel, he says, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. The vine of the earth. And then that was done, it says in verse 19, He gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That talks about a future vine where the Lord is going to judge the Gentiles who came against him and and are are against him. The Lord says, I'll take that vine and I'll throw it into my my winepress and the wrath of God. And so those clusters are reaped. But then there's a pleasant appearance of vine. And that's the vine which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we're pictured in John chapter 15. Jesus is the vine. He says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Verse, verse 1 says, I am the true vine. Now, that tells me something. There's, Jesus is the true vine. So today, I ask you, who are you connected to? Who are we connected to? Well, if we're a believer, if we trust Jesus as our Savior, we're connected to the vine. He, we are branches and he is the vine. From him comes all of our strength and all of our help. But if you're not connected to Jesus, that means life comes from the vine and comes to the branches. If you're not connected to Jesus, you have no life. You have no life. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians that if you're without Christ, you're dead in your sins. And there's no vitality of life from God, and you have no life. And it's interesting in verse 5 of this passage, in talking about that, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
Now, if that's true of a Christian who, if we don't abide in the vine like we should, we're not going to be able to do anything for the Lord. How is it true of unsaved people who, can, who, who don't have any life from God, they're not even connected to the vine, and they can do nothing? We need to remember that. Because in this age, there are so many people who are lifted up on a pedestal, and they're idolized, and they're honored, and they're talked about all the time, and yet they don't love Jesus. They have been successful in the world's viewpoint because they have a lot of money or they have prestige or have they have fame or whatever. And people, young people and even adults, idolize them, hold them up as if they're something. And the Lord says, if you're not connected to the vine, you can do nothing, <laughs> nothing. So what does that mean about all these worldly accomplishments done by unsaved people and everybody gets so excited about it. The Lord says, as he looks down, it's nothing. It's nothing. We need to be glad that we're connected to the vine and that God can give us life so we can accomplish something of eternal value in our lives. So Jesus is the vine. But let's talk about the branches. He says, ye are the branches. We are connected to Christ. We're in him, and our life comes from him. And we must abide in the vine. And so, in order to show the Lord we love him, we, we keep his commandments, and we abide in the vine. The word abide means that we stay in fellowship with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's why it's important to read our Bible. That's God talking to us. That's why it's important for us to pray. That's us talking to God. We're abiding in the vine. And the Lord says we're to abide in him. We're to have fellowship with him. There's to be that close relationship with the Lord Jesus so that he can give us that strength and power that we need. James 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. In order to abide from this passage, we find some things that we must do. First of all, we must be clean. Look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The word of God is very important in the Christian's life because the word of God speaks to our heart and tells us where we've done wrong. The word of God helps us to understand what God wants of us. And the word of God has a cleansing power, and you can take the word of God you can use the word of God in your life, and that will point out things that are wrong and will bring you closer to the Lord, and you can confess your sin unto the Lord. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're clean by the word. I remember years ago, I was in seminary, and they gave a quote of the man who started the sem seminary, uh, <clears throat> Dr. McLean, I think it was. And uh, he said this, and I never heard him say it because he was already gone when I, when I was there. But he said this, he said, he told the men, he said, men, the word of God is like a sieve. And if you run your life through the word of God, sometimes not, not a lot of it will stick. <laughs> you know, you can read the Bible and you'll say, well, I still didn't, I didn't understand that. Or I didn't understand, I didn't get that. And he says, read it anyway. <laughs> Just keep on reading it and keep on using it because you might not retain a lot of it, 
But in the process of your life going through the sieve, it'll clean you up and said it'll keep you clean. So the word of God is the water, so to speak, of going and, and we're the sieve and we, he, it goes through us and it keeps us clean. I think there's a lot of good logic in that. But the Lord says you should be clean. And then he says, obey him. That's abiding in the Lord involves obeying him. Look at verse 9. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. So abiding in the Lord involves, takes, takes for us to obey him. We have to obey him if we're going to abide in the Lord. That means we read his word, we talk to him in prayer, we trust him for strength and enablement to, to live for him and guidance in our, along our way. That's why Paul said, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the strength comes from the Lord. We're the branches, he's the vine, and the strength comes from him. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we obey him and he gives us this strength. And then there's another thing involved in abiding the Lord, and this part we don't like, and that is we experience the Father's pruning. Now, God, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, we are to produce fruit, but something that's true of all vineyards is that in order for a vineyard to produce fruit, it must be pruned. And so the Lord says, we experience the pruning of the Lord. He says the father is the husbandman who does the pruning. Jesus is the vine. We're connected to him. We're the branches. We get the life from him. And God the father does the pruning in our life. Notice what it says in verse, verse 2 of John chapter 15. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. So there's some branches in him that beareth not fruit. And the Lord says, so you can go through that stage of your life with no fruit. God, God wants to change that. And then he says, and every branch in me that beareth fruit. So you go from no fruit to fruit. And the Lord helps you bear fruit. And then he says, he purgeth it, or he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So no fruit, fruit, more fruit. And then the Lord keeps on pruning and working with us, and it says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that bideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. So God wants us to increase in our fruit, to go from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. That's called Christian growth. And the Lord develops that in our life as a Christian. Now, God does this because he's proving our love to us. Verse 9 says this, Jesus said to him, that's, verse, that's chapter 14, verse 9 of 15. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue in my love. When the Lord prunes, he's showing he loves us. So what's the pruning look like? Well, it could be a bad experience in your life. It could be a loss in your life. It could be a disappointment in your life. And it could be all kinds of things that happen in your life that you do not like. You do not think it's pleasant. But what you need to understand is God loves you. You're connected to Jesus, and he wants to produce fruit in you. And it might take that trial you're going through to produce the fruit that he wants. 
What does the Bible say? Tribulation works patience. And so God prunes us and so till he can develop that fruit that he wants. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that, you know, the Lord disciplines us. And it says, those the Lord loves, he chastens. It's not pleasant, but those the Lord ch- loves, he chastens. You know, it would not be a good thing if God just let you alone. All right, I connected you to the vine. You're connected to the vine. You're one of its branches. Now, just up to you. The Lord doesn't do that. Why does he not do that? He loves us too much. He loves us too much to just let us go. He loves us too much to just put us on, on our own and say, well, do the best you can. The Lord says, no, I love you enough. I take personal attention to you, and I work with you. So I'll bring some bad circumstance in your life. I'll bring something that you don't like. I'll bring that in your life because I'm pruning you. I'm cutting away some things in your life, and I'm trying to make you so that you develop more fruit. And so the Lord wants to do that to us, and he is doing that. And so we, continue, we demonstrate our love to him when we submit to his pruning. We don't gripe. We don't complain. We don't, you know, uh, just blame the Lord and wh- say, why are you doing this to me, God? I don't understand. I don't appreciate this. And lots of times Christians get that way. The Lord says, no, submit to his pruning. He knows what he's doing. And there's something that we might draw from this that, is that you are closest to the Father when he's pruning you. You're closest to the Father who's the husbandman when he's pruning you. When he's clipping away at you, he's developing something good in you. Why? Because he loves you. So what's the fruit of this? What's the result of this pruning? Well, it's fruit. Verse 7 says it's answered prayer. Verse 8 says there's glory to God. Verse Verse 10 says you're abiding in his love. And verse 11 says it brings joy. You know, some of the most joyful Christians that I know have had a hard time in their life. They've been through some rough times, but they trusted Jesus through the rough times, and it made them sweeter. Sweeter as the years go by. Not only Jesus is sweeter, but you become sweeter if you respond correctly to the Lord's prunings. And so through all of that, God is saying, I love you, but then when we respond properly to the Lord, in that we, we are saying, Lord, I love you. And so we are to love God. And then also, last thing is this. God, lo- God is love. He loves us. We are to love God. And then thirdly, we are to love others. The Lord says in the scripture that we're to love other people. We're to love our neighbors. Revelation, or Leviticus chapter 19, says, verse 18. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You love yourself. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is repeated in Matthew 19, 19, Matthew 22, 39, Romans 13, 9, Galatians 5, 14, and James 2, 8. And it, all, it says this, love thy neighbor as thyself. It must be important to God that we do that. Jesus told us who our neighbor is. If we say, well, Lord, who is our neighbor? Well, it's interesting. That's what the lawyer asked the Lord when he, when he gave him that parable. You know, a man went down... Down to, and he, he fell among thieves, and, and uh, there's different people came to him, you know, and, and uh, Luke chapter 10, tell, I don't have time to look there, but the Samaritan comes along, 
He didn't even know the man. The Samaritan comes along and gets him up and, and patches him up and takes him to the inn and tells the man, you take care of him, and if I, whatever I owe you, when I come back, I'll pay you for it. I want to take care of this man. And the Lord says, the answer, who is my neighbor? The Lord says, the answer this is this, to whom will you be a neighbor? That man wasn't his neighbor. He didn't live next door. But he determined he was going to be neighborly to him. And so the Lord says, anybody in need is potentially your neighbor and you're to help. When we help our neighbor, we say to them, I love you. When we help a person in need, we say to them, I love you. Our actions prove that we love them. So we're to love others. We're also to love the brethren. The Bible makes it clear that we're to love the brethren. Galatians 5.13, brethren, by love serve one another. 1 Peter 1.22, unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 Peter 3.8, have compassion one to another. Love as brethren. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Interesting verse. People say, I don't, I don't want to go to church anymore. I just don't like those people down there, so I'm not going to church. The Lord says, wait a minute, those are brethren. Imperfect, yes, but brothers and sisters in Christ, and you don't love them? And the Lord says this, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. So if you don't like to be around Christians, you might be a Christian, but you don't have the evidence to prove to yourself that you are. And if you don't have the evidence to prove to yourself that you are a Christian, then you should have a big question mark. Where do I really stand with the Lord? And you need to get that straight. The Lord says we're to love the brethren. John 13, 38, by this, or 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. So when we serve one another, when we have compassion one to another, when we bear one another's burdens, we say to them, I love you. So God says, I love you. We say to unsaved people around us, I love you. We say to Christians, I love you. We're to love fellow Christians, and therefore it's all right to say to a brother or sister in Christ, I love you, brother. You know, sometimes people have a hard time doing that. Years ago, I did too. But um, I've gotten to where I can say it without any problem now and say to another fellow, I love you, brother. And they know what that means. And I can say to a sister in the Lord, I love you, sister. And we know that that's a bond that we as Christians have. And it's not anything impure. It's a, it's a genuine thing that God tells us to do, and that is to love each other. The church has made a special church when people love each other in that church. We're to love fellow Christians. We're also to love others who are outside of God's family. God loves them, and so should we. The Bible says in Jude chapter, Jude verse 21, we're to take those people and treat them as if we're, you know, just a, we're snatching them from the fire. We want them to be saved and we show a love to them and we go out to reach them for Jesus Christ. And of course, then we're to love God. We owe everything to him. And remember, the Bible says that uh, we love God because he first loved us. I'd like to conclude by saying this. We are told to be followers of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. 
be followers of God. I pointed this out before. The Greek word there means imitators. We're to imitate God. We're to be like God. Well, God loves us. So we're to love us. God loves people. God so loved the world that he died for them. God loves them. And then the Bible even says God loves himself. God the Father loved the Son. God the Son loved the Father. God is love. And so you can say this. I love God is God's language. And we need to be using it because we are to be people like God. We're to love. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us how important it is that we love, that we love you, that we love those around us, and we love the brethren especially. Help us to be people who love. We're reminded of love, Lord, in Valentine's Day, and I just pray that it might be a genuine love that we have as you tell us to. Make us people of love, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.